Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on the Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, I've seen a lot of different reactions of presidents to bad election numbers. I saw President Clinton move to the right to meet Newt Gingrich and the New Republicans. I saw President Bush basically get in the back seat and let Congress drive after 2006. But I've never seen a president declare, I actually won on Tuesday because more people didn't vote and I stand with them. It was just astonishing. Yeah, I mean, almost delusional, really. I mean, what's funny is you hear that from the president, and and at the one time you're sort of surprised at the audacity that he would even bother to say something like like that or make that kind of an argument. And then you stop and think, and you realize, well, he's made similar arguments (laughs) repeatedly in the past. So we shouldn't be surprised about that. I mean, it was at at once both sort of amazing and totally expected. I, I don't. I, well, I guess I'm st- still naive. But for him to say, "I speak for the people," and I know I do because they didn't vote. I I have some breaking news here on the podcast, uh, Steve. Our podcast is now the number one most listened to podcast not listened to in the world because everyone who doesn't listen to podcasts are now our listeners. So we are proud to be the number one choice of people who don't listen to podcasts. We must have billions of non-listeners around the world. We've got to be able to make some money off of that, right? But that is that is his logic, is because the voters have said nothing, I speak for them, and they want what I want. And it was just, it was, uh, like you said, audacity bordering on, did someone check his meds yet? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we've heard this before. I mean, he, he seems to think that he speaks for more people than he thinks, than, than he actually does. And when you, when you have a president who says, three weeks after an election, my policies are on the ballot, then those policies are solidly repudiated. Um, I guess you can expect that he would be scrambling to come up with any explanation, but it was even more delusional than that in some respects. It's not just that he said he speaks for people who didn't vote. It's, it's that he argued that his policies are, in fact, working, and that really the problem has been their failure to make people feel that the policies have been working. So he begins the, the press conference by saying, Look, the economy's doing well. The economy's humming. And then he moves to Obamacare. He says, the law is working. Um, and at the end of the, the press conference, he says, you know, it's my job to make sure that people understand that the policies are working. Well, that's, that's not what's happening at all. I mean, if you look at the, the question in the exit polling about what, how, how people uh, assess their own financial situation, and, you know, I would hazard to say that these people know their own financial situation better than the president. About equal numbers said that their financial situation is better than it was two years ago, as said it was worse than it was two years ago. That's not a sign of an economy that's improving for everybody. And then you take uh, foreign policy and you've got secret letters to the Iranians essentially begging them to rescue the president on the issue of their nuclear program and on ISIS. You look at the uh, you know failure to stop ISIS abroad. You look at the, uh, uh, the fact that the people running uh, as Republicans overwhelmingly uh, ran ads against Obamacare. You've got people who supported Obamacare getting elected out of office right and left. And you, once again, have to wonder, is this, does he really believe that the world he described from behind the podium is real? Or was it a political stratagem to put off the Republicans or, or just sheer desperation? I think if, if you're Barack Obama and, and you look around and, and you think back to the way that you campaigned for office in 2008 and then the way that you campaigned for re-election, 
the things that he described, the, the, the policies, the results that he promised would come from the policies that he implemented, it simply hasn't happened. So, you know, you pass a trillion dollar stimulus and you say it's going to jumpstart the economy. And six years later, the economy is flagging, improving potentially, but, you know, certainly not the, the kind of recovery that the administration suggested we'd see. The same is true of Obamacare, where they promised competence and we've seen virtually none. The same is true, as you point out, overseas. When you look at what happened with ISIS, I think this, is, this had an, an, an impact on the midterms in a way that I think many people are not appreciating. It wasn't just the fact that people are now more concerned about the possibility that we could be attacked here, the homeland. It had to do with the president's credibility. I mean, he told the American people for the better part of four years that that war was really over. I mean, he said, in effect, he gave a speech at National Defense University in which he said, in effect, we don't have to have this kind of global campaign that the Bush administration started. We, we don't have to do that anymore. And now you've got the president back in Iraq fighting al-Qaeda and its associates, the same exact kind of fight that he told us was over. And I think that was a huge uh, hit to the president's credibility. So are you saying then that it's not just political posturing that he's not acknowledging what happened in the election and he has come up with this bizarre, I speak for the people who haven't said anything, so I know what they're saying, argument, that he honestly is going to keep pressing forward, believing that he has a mandate like he had in 2008? I think he doesn't know what to do, to be honest. I mean, I don't want to overcomplicate it. I think the guy doesn't know what to do. I think you've seen his worldview collapse. The things that he said were going to work, they haven't worked. And he doesn't know what the next step is. So you've got him, uh, you know, sometimes saying basically, well, this, this election, the results of this election basically were the results of this, the, the elections that preceded it. And it, told, it, it tells me that people want us to get things done. Well, that's just meaningless. That's a problem. Uh, you have him saying that on the one hand, then you say he sees it as an affirmation. On another hand, there has to be some moment where he sees the reality of what happened. And I just think he doesn't know how to react to any of it. Well, will one of those reactions be the uh, decision to go ahead and push through the executive uh, uh, amnesty? And you mentioned on Fox News last night that he said, when, not if. I do this, and so it looks like he's going to do it. Does he not understand what the reaction is going to be from not just Republicans, but from the majority of Americans who keep saying over and over again they don't want this, or does he just not care what their reaction is going to be? You know, I, I, don't, I don't know what... I've had several interviews today which have asked people who are involved in the immigration issue what he's thinking. You know, let's give him the benefit of that. Let's try to see this from, exactly from his point of view. And you really get a lot of head scratching. Uh, you know, on the one hand, you can see that he might be sick of dealing with the complaints that he's gotten from his base, from the base of his party, where he came into office promising that he would take up immigration reform in the first two years, then neglected to do so, and now has been sort of scrambling ever since. That's one possibility. Another possibility is that he really thinks he has the Republicans um, in a bind here, in a box, because Republicans have been and continue to be divided on some of the, the, uh, you know, the deeper questions about how to do immigration reform. But I think that neglects the results of this election. It neglects the divide on the Democratic side. And it neglects the fact that people who might be open to the kinds of reforms he's talking about in, in a general sense, 
still might object, and I think should object, to the way that he would go about doing it. I don't think it will end up being popular, and I think he's sorely mistaken if he believes otherwise. Yeah, I don't see any indication. Now, one of the bellwethers I've been using is the fact that in Oregon, which is deep blue, and they actually picked up seats one of the few places in the country where Democrats did, a ballot in, uh, uh, question, should we give driver's licenses to illegal immigrants, failed by more than two to one. I, 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 you, know, I, you, you mentioned the divides in the Republican Party, and there are some, but I think what bind, would bind them together would be this completely arbitrary you know, I'm granting millions of people permission to be here in whatever status they choose and do what they want. I, I think you'd see a lot of unity in response. Is there, a, I, I don't, I'm trying to figure, is there a path forward at all where this is a positive for the president, assuming the Republicans don't do something stupid like impeachment? No, I mean, look, you've already had, if there were any questions about whether there was a path forward, whether this could be a positive for the president, you've already had John Boehner and Mitch McConnell say to him, do not do this. It makes it impossible. If you care about the actual policy reforms, it makes it impossible for us as Republican leaders to do anything if you take this first step. You know, McConnell said it's like waving a red cape in front of a bull. Uh, Boehner was very uh, emphatic about that in the press conference he gave on Thursday. And I think the president's been warned. If he does this, it will, in fact, make it much more difficult for Republicans to do anything. And I don't think that if the president moves ahead with this, I don't think Republicans should, it would necessarily be in their interest to try to do something. Uh, you mean take no effort to stop it whatsoever? Well, I think they can do what they can do to stop it, and they can certainly point out the, the, the flaws in the president's plan, the objections that they have to the policy and the process. But I don't think it, I think it relieves Republicans of the obligation that they might otherwise have to try to actually solve the problem. If you believe that there are bad politics involved, uh, you know Republicans will have to to figure out how to to play their hand. If Obama moves first, they they get a reprieve, I think. So uh, what about the idea of when the president acts, the Republicans make a specific reaction, say ending the funding for? some you know aspects of of enforcing or of applying this executive order or something along those lines white house funding something and then just moving on with their own agenda and saying that was his petty childish you know tantrum and now the grown-ups are going to show up and govern and you know and move on yeah i think i think that's that's one um possibility that's being discussed in both the house and the senate another would be for republicans to lay out in a series of sequential votes with no amendments, um, different specific individual reforms. So you might have E-Verify first. You might have additional funding and resources for internal um, internal uh, efforts to root out people who overstay visas. You might have uh, investments in a separate bill uh, in new technology or border enforcement. Uh, you could then have um, uh, lifting of the caps on legal immigration. And finally, as a part of that process, or at the end of that process, in a different bill, not like the Senate bill, have something that would provide some kind of a path to legal status, and there could, would be a huge debate about what exactly that would mean, only if the conditions of the first four or five measures, however many they come up with, were met and certified. In, in a sense, it would be taking apart um, the Senate bill and reconstructing it in a way that Republicans think is favorable to them.
so uh, where do you predict we will be uh, once the first glow wears off and the president approaches the, the time to make this decision on the executive order? Do you think we'll be in a spot where his attitude is, I, I'm going to lay this trap for the Republicans, or will his attitude be, I can't be seen as being this uncooperative at a time where we had an election about Washington not working? No, I, I think he does it. I think he just does it and he doesn't care. I don't think he's, I think, I think he misunderstands the politics, you know, like good, and he wants to satisfy his base, and he thinks this is a way to do it. He thinks this is a way to alleviate pressure that is being put on him. And so he goes ahead and does it. He basically announced that yesterday, as you pointed out. You know, he said, when, not if. He said, when I announce this executive action, Republicans will have a big reaction. That tells us what he wants to do. Wow. Well, <laughs> you know, he may actually lure that other two-thirds into showing up to vote against him. Uh, if, the, if they had the chance. But, of course, there won't be another election, and then we all move to 2016. Steve Hayes, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate it. You bet. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.